So this past couple of weeks, I don't know if you've heard the story in the news about a place where the Spirit was moving. Uh, I felt the Spirit moving in here today. Some of the songs we sang, and uh, Chris got our blood flowing a little bit with the old I Saw the Light, and uh, then those two wonderful new songs that we sang today. But at a place, Asbury University, I think it's in Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, there was an outpouring of the Spirit in after a chapel service there. Seems that that day the soccer coach had spoken chapel. Uh, the students there are required to go to chapel three times a week. And after the chapel service, he, after his message, he preached on love and preached on Romans 12. He gave an invitation and nobody came. And it seemed like just an ordinary day. But after the service, 19 students hung around and they began to pray together, and they began to sing some songs, and they began to feel the Spirit move, and before long they were texting friends, you got to come, something's happening, and before long the, the uh, chapel hall was filled with people, and to make a long story short, throughout the next uh, 12 or so days, they filled that chapel, and there was a waiting line, and 15,000 people poured into Asbury university every day during that time thousands of people came and there was an outpouring of the spirit and the moving of the spirit that went and then the tv shows start to challenge is this real are these people really uh, in the spirit is the spirit of god working is is this real i tell you what if lives are changed and if that spirit is real in those lives those lives will leave and go out and tell their story. And they will touch other people's lives. And we are yet to see the fruit of what may have happened with that. And from what I understand, some 20 other college campuses had an outpouring of the Spirit and revival has taken place. Revival means I'm revived in the Lord, that I have a new sense of being more Christ-like and that I want to share what Christ has called me to do. And and that's what Christ wants. I want to tell you several stories today, but one of those stories is about a man named Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was an attorney for Richard Nixon in Nixon's uh, presidential cabinet, and Chuck Colson was involved in the Watergate scandal and wound up going to jail. Uh, before he went to jail, he had a friend, uh, when he was going through his trials and stuff, he went and met with who was a Christian, and he said to that man I've always known there was something different about you and I want what you have and the man said well it's Jesus Christ that I have that makes a difference in my life and Chuck took a copy of the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and went to a cabin up in the mountains took a Bible along and stayed up there for about a week reading that and eventually came to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior he went out of that. He was found guilty in court. He served a prison sentence. And while he was in prison, he discovered there's nobody ministering to these people in prison. They need it. And when he got out, he started a ministry called Prison Fellowship that now spans the globe and goes to prisons all over the world wherever they will let them go and does ministry to those. Now, Colson passed away a few years ago, but Chuck Colson was a man who lived out his faith after he got out of prison and had a tremendous ministry. There was an occasion 
when he was in Indonesia with some of his uh, colleagues from Prison Fellowship, and their flight was delayed, and they were in this old airport. It was crusty and, and hot, and the lines were long, and it was unorganized, and they were fearful that they were going to miss their flight because things were going so slow. And Colson said that he just made up his mind, I'm not going to let this deter me. I'm going to maintain a joyful spirit about myself. And he started cutting up with his colleagues and laughing, and, and they endured the, the, the time there, finally got on their flight. And he, was, he said, I'm just going to trust Christ to get us through this. And he did. And sometime later, he got a letter in the mail. And it was from a gentleman from Singapore. And this man said, I am not a Christian. I was a follower of Confucius. But I used to take my daughters to uh, a Presbyterian church in Singapore and drop them off for Sunday school because I wanted them to learn morals. And one Sunday, I got there a little early, went inside to pick up my daughters, and I heard they had a missionary speaking. And it was the end of his message, and he held up a book, and it had your picture on it. And he said, this is a book by Chuck Colson, told your story, and it's called Born Again. And he said, I didn't think that much about it at the time. I picked up my daughters and left. But one day I was in an airport in Indonesia, and I looked across the way, and I saw you standing in line. And I noticed how in the midst of all the grumbling and complaining of people, you were having a good time, and you were fellowshipping with people around you. And I thought, I want to be like that. And I remembered that book, and I went and got that book, and I read it, and I became a born-again Christian. Even when you don't know it, people see your story through the way you live, and sometimes they will come to know Christ, and you may not even have a clue you had a part to play in that. We are going to think about sharing our stories today. Christ wants us to have an impact on everybody we come in contact with. In fact, Jesus has, has uh, called us to make disciples. And we've been speaking about this for the last several weeks. It's part of our, uh, our engage plan that we've been going through. And he wants us to get out and share the message of the gospel with other people and to share our story with other people. There's a commercial a few years ago it was a Mercedes-Benz commercial, and it shows a picture of a Mercedes-Benz running into a brick wall. And then somebody asked the Mercedes spokesman, says, why is it that Mercedes doesn't enforce its patent on its energy-absorbing car chassis? Why do they let other companies copy that? And the spokesman says to the camera, because some things are just too important not to share and you know that's the way the gospel is it's just too important not to share and Jesus has called all of us to be part of his family and to share the gospel we're going to continue our series today on our engage plan this of course is our three-year plan that we've set up and uh, we've been going through these words on the inside of this plan uh, we're up to the second panel the last word and today we're thinking you know, these three panels uh, engage Jesus, which means discipleship. We want to grow. Engage Bristol, which means outreach. We want to reach out to our community. 
and engage the next generation, which means we want to secure the future of the church by filling it up with younger people and, and bringing more to know Christ. This word today is share. Here's what it says. Each person has a story to share. Jesus wants to use your story to make a difference in the life of someone around you. We want to equip every believer at Central to tell their story and share the impact God has made in their life. And so today we're going to think about this idea of sharing your story. And I would like to you uh, to, um, to raise a question to you. How do we begin to share Christ's message? You know, uh, as you go out and you look at the surveys, they always tell us, that people would maybe accept the gospel if they knew what it was, which tells me that nobody's telling them what it is. And people often say in the surveys that people would come to church if somebody would invite them to church, somebody that they knew. And that tells me that we're not inviting people to church. And so we got to get serious about this. You know, we've been talking throughout this series that Christ wants disciples that makes disciples. He said, go make disciples and teach them to obey all I have commanded you. And so we want to be that kind of church. You know, we don't want people that just come to church. We want people that are saved and people that are, are devoted disciples that go out into the community and do the work of Christ. I heard about this guy went into a doctor's office and he, he goes up to the front counter there. John, you'll appreciate this. And he says, I've got shingles. And the lady behind the counter said, have a seat. And he sits down and waits for a little while. And then a lady comes out of the door and calls his name. And she says, come with me, go into room three. What do you got? He says, I've got shingles. And, and the lady says, okay, hold on. A few minutes after waiting, uh, we do a lot of waiting in the doctor's office, John. And, and, and the, the nurse comes in, she takes his temperature takes uh, all of his vital signs, tells him to take his clothes off. She says, what do you got? He says, I've got shingles. Finally, the doctor comes in. The doctor looks him over and he says, sir, I don't see anything wrong with you. What have you got? He says, I've got shingles. He said, well, where are they? He said, on the truck outside. They're for your roof. <laughs> well, you know, that guy didn't do a very good job of telling his story. He was not bold. He could have he lessened his trouble if he would have just been bold with his story. And we're not bold with our story. The very last sentence in the book of Acts says there was a man, the Apostle Paul, who lived in, was in prison. And yet, even though he was in prison for sharing his faith, he boldly shared the gospel message. We're going to learn about Paul today in Acts chapter 26. I'd like you to turn there if you have your Bible. He's one of the great heroes of the faith. Uh, three times his story of conversion is shared in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at the third one today in Acts chapter 26. Paul had gotten into trouble with uh, the Jewish people. And in fact, they were going to kill him. He was in Jerusalem and they were claiming he was uh, teaching false doctrine uh, against the Jewish faith. They even claimed that he called... Uh, Jesus, a king, which went against the Roman law, and there was a big riot, and they were getting ready to kill Paul, and the Roman authorities rushed in, took Paul in custody. They realized that he was 
a Roman citizen and he could not be put to death without a fair trial. And so they, they arrested him and they sent him over to Caesarea to get him out of town to the governor, Felix. Well, Felix, he wasn't exactly a straight-up guy. He kept hearing Paul's case, but he was wanting Paul to give him a bribe to let him out of prison, so he kept him in prison for two years. Finally, Felix was called back to Rome, and a new governor named, his name was Festus. He's not the guy from Gunsmoke. His name is Procurius Festus. And he came and took over as governor, and he wanted to hear Paul's case. It just so happened when he first came, uh, King Agrippa, who was the king of the northern part of Palestine, had come to visit and welcomed him into his new position in the Roman government, and he invited King Agrippa to come and hear the story with him as they sat. Now, that's a good thing because Agrippa was well-schooled in the ways of the Jews. And Agrippa, in fact, had power from Caesar to oversee the temple in Jerusalem. He appointed the high priest every year, and he oversaw the treasury of the Jewish people. So Agrippa was well-versed in the Jewish ways. And here we pick up the story in Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against the accusation of the Jews, and especially because you are well acquainted with the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you, listen to me patiently. I want to tell you something. Sharing your story can make an impression. It really can. It can make a big impression on other people. Uh, these apostles have been told that they may have to stand before kings and governors. In, Acts, in Luke chapter 21, verse 12, Luke writes the words of Jesus, They will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. You will be brought before kings and governors and all on the count of my name. Paul was living proof that that prophecy came true. He was standing before kings and governors to give a defense about his teaching in the name of Jesus. I want you to notice as we go through this story today about a pattern that Paul uses, and it's a pattern that will be good for us to share our stories as we go about. Look at verse 4. The Jewish people know the way I lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they will, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it has become my hope that what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and it was just what I did in Jerusalem. 
on the authority of the chief priest. I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I was sent, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. You see what Paul's doing, first of all, he's telling his story before he knew Christ. You could do that. You can share who you were before you knew Christ. You see, the whole point is to end up showing people the difference that Christ has made in your faith. I want to tell you another story today. I want to tell you a story of a young man named Mo. Now, Mo was a typical youth, except his dad was a preacher. Uh, he was raised in the church, but when he got into his latter teens, got out of high school, quit going to youth group, uh, early 20s, he became kind of wild and, and did a few things that I don't need to tell you about. But he was a, a pretty wild young man. But he eventually got married. He always worked hard at his work, and he had a good job. He got promoted where he worked in a grocery company, and he became a district manager for this company, and he traveled the coast of Myrtle Beach and up into Wilmington, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, he settled down, had a wife, and, and he still had a little bit of a wild streak in him, but he never really got back to going to church. In fact, to be honest, money was his God at that time, and stuff. That's all he thought about was money and stuff. But as he would have it, he worked hard with this company, was successful, and he decided one day, I'm making money for this company, I want to own my own business and make money for myself. And so he quit his job, he bought a convenience store, it had a gas station, an arcade, and he ran that, and he did pretty good for a couple of years until a competitor came in a half a mile down the road and took half of his business overnight. He, make a long story short, he ended up losing just about everything he owned, and he moved to Savannah, Georgia, to go back into the grocery business with another company. There he was. That was before he got right with Christ. Well, if we look back at chapter, verse 12 in chapter 26 at Paul, on one of these journeys, he said, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying in me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to anoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people. And from the Gentiles, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you see what we find here is Paul first began by telling what he was before he knew Christ. Then he told how he came to know Christ. 
You know, you can share how you come to know Christ with other people. Not everybody has a great encounter like Paul does. Some people have different encounters. Some people grow up knowing Christ all their life. It's okay to be that way and to tell people that way, that there was never a time when you didn't believe in Christ. I heard about this preacher up in Pennsylvania back in 1889. There was a flood in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And somehow this preacher had prayed to God and had miraculously been saved from this flood. And he would always tell this story. He thought it was a great story. And he would tell how he came closer to Christ through sharing this story of the Johnstown flood. One day this preacher died and he went to heaven and they were having a day in heaven where people shared their story. And he said, I want to share my story. Can I share? St. Peter, can I share my story? And St. Peter said, yeah, but it might not seem so, so fantastic because you're going to be sitting next to Noah. <laughs> you know, sometimes your story may not be that great, but you can still share with other people how you came to know Christ. Well, this guy, Mo, he had a pretty phenomenal story. He got to Savannah, his kids were getting school age, and he thought one day, man, new, new town, new life, we got to go to church. I got to get these, these kids need Jesus. They need to know morals, and I need to get them into church. And so they were going to attend this church that they had known about. Uh, but his wife ran into a friend that she hadn't seen in years, and this friend was living in Savannah now too. And she said, why don't you come to church with us? And, my, uh, and the wife said, you know, that woman used to be pretty wild when she was younger. If a church has got a hold of her, that's the place where I need to get my husband. And so they attended that church. And that first Sunday, it was like the preacher had written the sermon just for him. Uh, went in a few weeks later, the preacher visited in his home, shared the gospel with him, and he thought he had always been a Christian, but he really wasn't a solid believer. And the preacher shared the gospel with him. He accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. He was baptized the following Sunday, and he began to jump in and study the Bible and read and get involved in the church. And then something happened. He got fired from his job. What? I give my life to Christ? And, and he said, and then all of a sudden I lose my job? But that was the best thing that ever happened to him. Because he went to church the following Sunday, and the preacher's wife came up and said, hey, we're having a drama at our church, and uh, it's going to be three nights. It's going to be each night. It's going to be a dinner theater in our fellowship hall. And we're going to have over 100 people there each night. And we'll do this drama. But our lead person in the drama broke his ribs and he can't play. And I heard you were out of work and you might have some extra time. Uh, would you like to be in this drama? Well, the guy said, I'll give it a try. He read for the part and they said, yeah, we want you. And so he went and he became the lead role in this drama. And he was at the church every day studying lines and helping to build the set for the drama. And, and he just got involved. And the more he was there around the church, the stronger his faith began to grow. And he really came to believe that Jesus is 
Christ and Lord and Savior. Look at what happened to Paul. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and in Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some of the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer as the first to rise from the dead and would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. You see, Paul shares then what happened after Christ came and appeared to him, that he went out and he began to share uh, Christ with other people. Paul went from one who was persecuting disciples to making disciples. He shared how he was before Christ. He shared how he came to know Christ. And then you can share the difference it has made in your life. You know, the impact of Christ is different for everybody. It really is. Uh, some people grow faster than others. Some people get it right away. Some people have to weigh on it a little bit. But 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Well, this Mo, he'd hung out at the church and he began to sense the presence of God in his life and that God was calling him to go into the ministry. He went and met with the preacher and the preacher said, well, you know, you don't have any college, you don't have any training, but our church will give you $2,000 a semester if you go to Bible college or to, a, to a, a Christian university or a seminary. And so Mo pondered that, and he decided he was going to sell most of his stuff that he had, and he was going to move, and he moved to Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee. There he studied for the ministry, he got his degree, went to work at a church close to Knoxville, worked on a master's degree, and he began to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. Well, as we look on at the story of Paul, Festus interrupted and said, Paul, you're a crazy man. This stuff that you're talking about, Paul said, no, I'm not. This really happened. People have seen the miracles and things that are going on. Then Agrippa spoke up and said, Do you think that such a, in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? I wish I could stand here and tell you that Agrippa gave his life to Christ, but he did not, at least not here. Not everybody you share your story with will give their life, their heart to Jesus Christ. But Paul went on to share with other people. Paul went on to write one-third of the New Testament. Paul went on to establish churches all over the Roman Empire in that day. Paul went on to train leaders for Christian service. And Paul helped change the life of countless people and brought revival to people's lives in a spiritual way. You know, this revival we hear about at Asbury University, I hope it's real. 
You know what the evidence will be when we begin to hear stories about how people were revived and how they lived more Christ-like lives and how they went out and shared what Christ was doing in their life and, and how that impacted more people and more disciples were made and more people came to know Christ. And I'll tell you about this Mo fella. It was real in him because he's standing right here preaching this sermon. You see, Mo is me, M-O. He's not perfect, but I guarantee you if you give him a chance, he'll tell you about Jesus. And we all have to come to that place. And we don't need to be forceful with it, and we don't need to re, you know, try to force it on people. But if you'll pray to God and let the Spirit begin to work in your life, and you can go tell somebody how you were before Christ and how you came to know Christ and how Christ has worked in your life, and you can share the gospel. And here's our connection today, is that the sharing of your faith story leads to an opportunity to share the gospel message. And you know, the gospel message is really so simple. It can be shared in four quick points. And first point is that God loves you. He loves you tremendously. But that we have a problem. It's our sin. And we've all sinned, and sin separates us from God. But God made a provision for that, and that's God's grace. And he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that through faith in him, your sins can be wiped away and you can be restored into a relationship with God and understand that you have eternity to look forward to in heaven with him. And there's one last point, and that is our choice. Each of us has to make a choice to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the simple gospel message. And if you take your story and share it with somebody how you came to know Christ and share that story and tell them about the difference that it's made in your life, they can't argue with the change that's happened in you. Many of them won't even know. They'll just see who you are now. But just think about the opportunity that you have to let somebody know that they can have a guarantee from the Word of God that they can spend eternity with God in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when believers tell their story and connect it to Christ's story, something happens. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God gave the growth. And you never know when you share your story, you may be planting the first seed and they may not accept, but somebody else may come along and water like Apollos did. And it may take several to come along and water. And eventually people will hear that message and they'll decide that it's real and they'll come to know Christ. Or maybe you'll be the one to do the watering. Somebody else has already planted a seed. But if you'll go out into this community and engage Bristol and begin to share your story and share the gospel message, lives will be changed and people will come to know true revival as they receive the Holy Spirit and it begins to work in your life. Let's bring revival in our spirit.
and then we can help bring revival to the spirits of others. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for men like the Apostle Paul. It's not just true of him. It's, it's Peter and John and James and all those apostles. They went out and they told their story and they told Christ's story and they invited people to come and be saved and lives were changed. Lord, many will know eternity because of those stories that were told. Help us to be a people of story because we desire to be a disciple who makes disciples. We go out and we share with other people. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray and praise today. Amen.